Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The discussion turns back to stocks and financial markets and the Dow theory and, and a lot of the things we've been talking about for a while now. Hey, real quick, before we get started, though, we talked about investing in comic books in the Last Gains podcast. If you didn't hear it, go check it out. It is certainly a, an interesting conversation. And I'm curious how many of the Gains listeners are now exploring that investment option. I'm just starting to learn about comic books and the comic book market, and we'll let you know when I make a buy, I'm planning to to dabble. But like I said, today we're talking markets, Dow Theory, and stocks. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gains. So as mentioned, we're talking Dow Theory, and that means we're bringing on Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter, and author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. And he's got that special website that's just perfect for the gains listeners. Give us that real quick, Chuck. Sure. That website is UpsideStocks.com, UpsideStocks.com. And you definitely want to check that out. So, um, Chuck, you know, we've seen quite a turnaround for stocks. And uh, so, I, you know, we've, we always talk Dow Theory with you, obviously. All along, we've been kind of focusing on those lows for both the Dow Industrials and the transports. Both put on the, uh, what was that, June 17th? Uh, the Dow June Industrial, uh, 29,888.78. The Dow Transports, 12,868.60. Those are lows we've been watching. Big turnaround for stocks, though, in the last month or so. What is the Dow theory telling us now about markets? You know, what needs to happen for us to get the, you know, the Dow theory has been bearish. What needs to happen to turn the Dow theory bullish? So I guess to start things off, Chuck, Kind of set the table. You know, we've watched those lows, but a lot has happened since uh, June 17th. Yeah, let me kind of walk you through it. And and there's two possible scenarios here, and and quite honestly, two possible interpretations of the Dow theory. And I'll tell you kind of our interpretation at this point. Um, As you mentioned, both the Dow Jones Industrial and Dow Jones Transportation Average is bottomed. Uh, or the, the most significant bottom, recent bottom, is the June 17th lows. And you gave those points out. What happened since then is that you have had a series of higher highs 
in both the Dow Jones Industrial Average and Dow Jones Transportation Average. And the the one high that was eclipsed that potentially uh, you could argue was meaningful was the June 24th high, uh, which was uh, in the Dow Industrials at June 24th high was about 31,500. So you had, uh, you know, uh, from the June 17th low to, to the June 24th high, Unfortunately, it was only about four trading days, and then you had the market decline, held the previous lows, and then came back and went above that June 24th high. So you could argue that that when it went above the June 24th highs in both the Dow Industrials and Dow Transports, you know, you can make an argument that that was a change in the primary trend from bearish to bullish. The fly in the ointment there from our perspective is that that rally off the June 17th lows was only, as I said, four trading days. And so while there is time compression in the markets these days, and things do take shorter time frames than they used to in the past, the four days is awfully short. So where we are coming down and saying, listen, you know, that maybe that will, in you know, hindsight, turn out to be the beginning of the next up leg, the, the next bull market leg. But we're, but to have confidence in the signal, we're looking at the rally from June 17th, the low, through pretty much, you know, yesterday's high of 32,845 as all one big rally off the bottom. And, and so what you need then is a reasonable retest of the previous lows from, from probably these levels that we just achieved here, given the way the market behaved today. So, you know, you would expect to have in a typical retracement anywhere from, you know, 800 to 1600 points from that 32,845. So that's what we're kind of waiting to see. And that's where, you know, not to get too thick in the weeds, but that's where some of the disagreement could come into play in terms of Dow theories. Was this a new bull market signal when the industrials and transports went above that June 24th highs or just not enough time? And is this basically a continuation of the rally off the lows? And we're establishing now those rally points. We're going to get a retest. Hopefully the retest is, is, is successful. And then we'll get a rebound above these levels. So that's kind of where we are right now, Andy. And hopefully, you know, the Dow Theory is one of those things that's almost easier to show you than tell you. But long and the short of it is we're, we're going to have a greater confidence in saying the trend has changed from bearish to bullish uh, once we see how the market behaves coming off this recent rally and whether those June 17th lows hold or not. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about time compression. Usually this stuff takes weeks, if not months, to play out. Uh, and then the other thing, and, and we were actually talking earlier today, uh, Chuck was on the noon business hour, and before he went on, we were kind of chatting markets a little bit. And the one thing I mentioned to you is those lows that were put in and then the market trading after just didn't really feel like a washout or a bottom. And so uh, just kind of pick up on those two points that, that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, uh, to, you know, when you're trying to determine whether, you know, a market has truly laid a bottom, there are a few things that, that you really look for. One is, you know, how is the market responding in effect to negative news? And, and the reason why that is important is markets are forward looking. So, markets should be discounting the future. And if you see markets that are holding up and individual stocks that are holding up on, on 
what seemingly is negative news, that that's the kind of stuff from which bottoms are formed. And we have seen that here. Um, if, you know, today notwithstanding, we have seen the market respond pretty favorably to, you know, what was a horrendous June inflation report, what has yeah. been some sketchy earnings. We were talking about that where you'd have a company that would report really bad earnings, maybe even not give the best forecast and actually move higher on the news. And you mentioned, talk about the two inflation reports we were talking about. The first one wasn't even as bad. The market got hit. And then this latest inflation reading, which was worse, pick up that, was worse, actually, the market rallied. Explain that. Right. So if you, if you go back to, to June, I believe it was June 10th, the May inflation report came out, and it showed pretty lousy inflation numbers. And the, if you remember, the Dow Jones Industrial Average on that single day fell 880 points. So that was June 10th. Fast forward now to the most recent uh, inflation report that came out uh, not too long ago that showed June inflation was even worse than May inflation. And what did the market do? Well, the market was fairly resilient uh, and and then proceeded to kind of go up and, and go above those June 24th lows and go significantly above those over the last few few weeks. So, you know, that, that's, that, was, that, was, that was significant in a sense of trying to determine just how much the market has discounted future negative, you know, negative news. And so that's one of the things you need to see. The other thing you want to see is just, you know, total, total capitulation, this phrase that keeps getting thrown around. But basically what it means is everybody hates stocks and nobody wants to own stocks and they're never going to own stocks again because they're just awful investments. We didn't quite get there. Um, now, there are certainly some investors that probably feel like that if they had focused their portfolios on you know meme stocks, or if they focused them on a lot of those crazy growth stocks or SPACs or whatever that you know didn't have profits, were trading at you know 80 times sales, and those stocks just have gotten obliterated. They're down 50, 60, 70, 80 percent. Those people probably feel the world has ended, and they're probably never going to get into stocks again. But in in the macro sense, it didn't feel like we quite had that capitulation by all investors. Now. One of the tools that we use, that I use to try to give me a determination of the level of investor exuberance or despair is looking at the percentage of stocks uh, that are trading above their 200-day moving average, the 200-day moving average kind of being a proxy for a stock's equilibrium price. So if you see lots and lots of stocks trading above that, stocks are popular. If you see very few stocks trading above that and many, many stocks trading below it, stocks are out of favor. Well, that percentage got down to about 16%. In other words, 84% of the stocks in the New York Stock Exchange were trading below their 200-day moving average as proxy equilibrium price. And that, that has not been the lowest it has ever been since we were tracking this since 1989. The low has been about 1% to 2% at the bottom of the 2008-2009 bear market and at the bottom of the 2020 brief but biting bear market. But 16% is still very low relative to, to what we have seen historically. So, you know, that's where, you know, mid-teens on that, it, that showed a, a pretty significant level of capitulation. The question was, the question is, was it enough? And, and I guess we'll find out here over time. So there were things evident that could give you some cause to think the market had bottomed. And then followed by, again, the move to, to above the June 24th highs and follow through on that move in a series of higher highs, not just in the Dow Industrials, 
but also, and this is significant, in the Dow Jones transportation average, which is very economically sensitive. So you were seeing some things that really indicated, A, maybe the market is bottom, B, trends that, would, that you would like to see when the, when the primary trend is potentially going to be changing from bearish to bullish. And again, the last thing we kind of want to see now before we make this declaration of, of a new bull market is how does this market respond um, following a, a correction or a pullback from this, this big rally that we've had since June 17th? If the June 17th lows hold, we get a resumption of the upward rally that eclipses this recent high, then that gives us a, a fair amount of confidence then, okay, I, I think that we can say that the trend has changed from, from bearish to bullish. Okay, we're going to continue the discussion with Chuck Carlson right after the break. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I've been told that's podcast gold, and I'd appreciate the solid there. And subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We'll be right back with Chuck after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, back with Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter in Hammond. Now, I know you're not an all-or-nothing shop, so you're buying and selling in and out of markets regardless. I would imagine that you are nibbling a little bit, and we talked about this. You indicated that uh, kind of the setup here, and, 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 and talk about that real quick uh, about just not being an all-or-nothing shop. And then when, when it makes sense to nibble, you will do so. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, it's, you know it, it's one thing to kind of make these declarations that, that we're in a bull market or a bear market. And, and that's all well and good, and that's, that's useful information. But at the end of the day, you know, as an investor, you have to have a certain pragmatism about you. And, and, and part of that pragmatism has to say, listen, the likelihood of me spiking an exact bottom and then starting to invest everything at that bottom, the chances of that happening are, are pretty slim. And so what you want to do as an investor, especially if you're somebody who has built up significant cash throughout this decline and you're waiting to deploy that cash, 
is at some point you have to start the process. It doesn't mean you throw it all in at once, um, but, you know, where do you start the process? And, you know, we have started to that process in, in a fairly small way, I, I, I want to add. We haven't gone gangbusters, but we have started the practice of perhaps putting some of the cash back into the market, taking advantage of some of these opportunities, looking if the market declines more, maybe feeding a little bit more in. So starting the process. Now, that's not meaning, you know, plunge it all in and you're getting to 100% invested, you know, boom right now. But you, you, you got to start that process at some point, And there's enough indicators here and stocks at enough attractive valuations that we feel that you can start that process. Now, what does that mean starting the process? Well, you know, if you're somebody who's sitting there with, you know, 30% equity exposure, and it's normally 90%, then you, you probably need to start getting some money, you know, whether that's, you know, you got to put 10% in 20% of your cash in. Or will you dollar you cost in there? Will, do you use dollar cost tactics uh, when, when you're, when you're implementing it back in? Or how do you do that? You can. We we typically, um, you know, we're it, it, part of that depends. I think on the size of your cash position. You know, it's it's easier to kind of carve out dollar cost averaging per se, just from a practical standpoint. If you know, if you're sitting on seventy percent of your portfolio's cash, it's easier to kind of go, okay, I'm going to start putting in ten percent a month or or fifteen percent a month, or I'm going to put twenty percent in now and then ten percent a month. Um, you know, we typically don't go to those levels of cash. You know, a big cash position for us is, you know, in a portfolio where somebody is 100% or could be 100% invested in stocks, you know, we, we might be, you know, 65 to 75% equity. So, you know, that... Even at the, the bottom, we, even at the worst of things, I mean, you yes, you, you yes. are a lot more fully invested than, than some folks. So even at yes. the worst of it, you're still... Sixty-five, seventy, seventy-five percent in equities, riding it out. Yeah, we are, and, and and there's a number of reasons for that. That may sound a little uh, silly to some folks. It's but but the fact of the matter is, you know, I've been doing, I've been watching the markets for forty years, and the, the you know you have to approach them with a certain humility, and part of that humility is you can be wrong, and if you're wrong on holding too much cash, that's worse than being wrong if you ride through, because, you know, you can, if you're hundred percent invested and you, and you ride to a bear market, you know, you're going to, you're going to feel that pain. But history says that at some point you're probably going to be okay. If you have, if you can hang in there long enough and not do something stupid, like sell at the bottom. Uh, on the other hand, if you're kind of making all or nothing bets and, you know, you've got 0% equity or you've got 20% equity and you're somebody with a long-term invest time and investment time horizon, it's very difficult to kind of, when you've made that big a bet to get out of the market, it's a very difficult thing to, to, to get back in because you're going to be concerned about your timing on getting back in, that you're going to get in too soon. or you're, if, you, if you don't get in, it's going to be too late and you're going to wait for the next pullback and consequently you're, you're never back in. So, we acknowledge that the biggest risk in investing is not so much being in the market when it goes down, but being out of the market when it goes up. And we take that into account when we try to, to, to calibrate cash levels. And as I said, typically, you know, if we've got 25 to 35% in cash in a portfolio where somebody could be hundred percent invested, that's a pretty good chunk for us. So to get back to your original question, do we dollar cost average? 
typically typically we don't what happens is it's it's kind of more organic where there there may be stocks already in the portfolio that have fallen below what we would like to be our target level so if there's stocks we still like we may go in and add to those current holdings to bring their to bring their weighting back up uh, we may have some new recommendations that we put money into in stocks that have fallen to levels that we like, and it's a stock that we have liked for a while, and now we feel it's time to buy. So it tends to be more uh, opportunistic, I guess would be the word, as opposed to uh, a, a, the practice of putting certain amount of money into the market on a regular basis, the dollar cost averaging. Not that there's anything wrong with that. In fact, that is a very good way for an individual investor because it, it's done in a disciplined way. And it also requires less kind of putzing around <laughs> looking at stocks, right? You know, and I mean, you know, it's a lot of us have jobs and, and the jobs aren't in, aren't in the market where you're looking at things all the time. So it's tougher to be kind of opportunistic um, because you may be doing something else. So a dollar cost averaging approach kind of ensures it is a disciplined way to get money back into the market, and that's that's always a good thing. Chuck, there is nothing else. There is nothing else. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, <laughs> right? But no, I get what you're saying. And, and again, you know, we're this is a long-term gain or long-term game. And, and the one thing I was just – I went back just for the heck of it to look at the length of bear markets. Now, keep in mind – a lot of times you work through this stuff pretty quick. I mean, the last one we always talk about was 33 days. And then there was a, a, a quickie in, in in January to like March in 2009. That was 62 days. Uh, you know, 2000, 2008, the big one, there's like 408 days. So I, even that is just a year. And in a very long-term game, what's a year in the whole scheme of things. So yeah, that, and that's the, and the recovery period from that, you know, maybe it takes, you know, well, it, it all depends. I mean, some can come back in the period of months where you recoup what you lost and others, maybe it takes two or three years, but you know, it, it, you know, unless you're, you know, 85, um, and even the, <laughs> the apologies to all 85 year olds listening. Um, my point is, you know, most people that are hearing the sound of my voice here have enough time to recover from a typical bear market. You know, they, they typically, and again, maybe the next one is going to be unique, but, you know, it's typically not, you know, 10 years before you get back hold. You know, it's it's usually a much shorter period of time, which, again, puts, puts a, a huge burden on this notion of I'm going to be able to get in, I'm going to be able to get out, I'm going to be able to get back in again. And, and you play that game. That's why, you know, traditional market timing is very difficult to do, and especially in an all-or-nothing fashion. When you are getting back in, you know, we, we've seen growth just get crushed, um, but, but more so than other areas, of course. Uh, what, what's the mix look like? How do you decide for, for, for your clients on what you're buying when you get back in? And I mean, is it's not necessarily always the best idea to just the, the stuff that was beaten the absolute worst is is what you're going to get back in. And are you still going with big names, good names, or you know, how do you uh, determine what the mix that you're buying when you you are nibbling and getting back in? And you know, if you think that the bottom's in, you know, what are you buying? Yeah, I, I 
that's a that's a good question. Now, we have a pretty disciplined process that's buttressed by our quantitative stock rating system we call Quadrix. We have a tool that we create. It's proprietary to Horizon that evaluates more than 4,000 stocks. Each of those stocks we're ranking on more than 90 different variables, and we're scoring those variables and coming up with, with quantitative scores for those 4,000 stocks. So, you know, we're constantly getting feedback in terms of what stocks are scoring well. Are these, you know, do do we like them? And then our analysts kind of pull apart the ones that score well and, and try to figure out whether those are stocks that, that we want to own. So we don't necessarily take the step back and go, this is going to be a value-led rally. It's going to be a growth-led rally. Now, having said that, does some of that analysis kind of peter into our process it can't help but do that because you know you're you're going to have some ideas on 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 thematic on various themes, whether growth versus value. I personally think that the sweet spot of this market is going to be growth stocks, but not the crazy growth stocks. The, the growth stocks that that you can that you can still buy at reasonable valuations, kind of a GARP approach, growth at a reasonable price. Like like the Apples and the Googles and that kind of thing? Yes, I do. And, and, and the reason why I think that that is going to be the case is that we there is no doubt that the economy is slowing. Now, whether you want to call it a recession, you don't want to call it a recession, whatever you want to do. And, and a lot of times, you know, that's a fight over semantics. The fact of the matter is the economy, the economy is slowing. How much it's going to slow, you know, that's that's still up for debate. Are we going to get into a deep recession? You know, that's up for debate. I don't think that's going to be the case. But there's no doubt that that, that we are seeing a period of, of slowing growth. In periods of slowing growth, growth becomes more highly sought after because it is it's it's a rarer commodity in a in a in a slow growing economy. So in those sorts of markets, growth stocks tend to do better. Um, growth stocks also tend to do better in, in environments where interest rates are flat or falling, and inflation is flat or falling. And you know, it's it's not a reach to kind of see that world out there where you have a slowing economy. You know, we have rates. I mean, geez, the ten-year the ten-year Treasury just went to what two five. It's down 100 basis points since what June. Um, so, you know, all the talk about rising rates, and maybe that's going to happen. And if it does, that's going to be a, a strong headwind for growth stocks. But at this point, that it that doesn't appear to be the case. And then finally, you know, inflation is kind of the last remaining thing. It's the, the, the peak inflation narrative seems to be truer to me. The, the big question is not so much is inflation going to get worse, but how quickly and Deeply, is it going to get better? And that's kind of the sixty-four thousand dollars question. But again, I think those things add up to where value led the way in the first half of the year. I think if you had to pick between growth or value, I think growth is going to lead in the second half of the year. So, you know, if if you tilt your picks toward reasonably priced growth stocks and try to get those kind of growth value combo platters where you can buy a growth stock at a value stock price. To me, that's the sweet spot, and that's oftentimes the sweet spot. Quite frankly, it kind of those are the stocks that kind of give you your cake and eat it too. You know, so you I mentioned a, a couple of names. You know? y- yeah, I'm going to say, you know, you know, I'm digging for names, and uh, so kind of give me a couple ideas that you're filling right now, and then maybe pull something off that up upsidestocks.com list as well. 
Yeah, I, you know, a couple of names, a couple of large cap names. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Alphabet fits in that. Uh, I think, a, uh, you know, a stock like On Semiconductor, uh, Qualcomm, United Health is a nice solid kind of growth at a reasonable price stock. Thermo Fisher Scientific. Those are some names that I, I think in this environment should should hold up pretty well. Another stock that uh, in the small cap space that that I like, small mid cap spaces, and I mentioned this before, is Nextstar Media Group NXST, which has been a, a real nice performer here um, and has held up quite well during this market environment. And that's you know that's a name that we like. Uh, another name is uh, the symbol is PLAB. That's Photronics. Symbols PLAB. It's about a billion and a half market cap. And uh, the stock trades for about $24 a share. Uh, that's hum, hung in there very well. Uh, and I would expect that stock, uh, that's one of my favorites in the upside, in the upside portfolio. So those are two names, Nextstar Media and, and Photronics, P-L-A-B, the symbol. You know, uh, as we're talking stocks here, I, I just a couple little areas I wanted to touch on real quick. Uh, you know, we always talk about how the transporters are leading indicators, as we're coming out, do they tend to to lead higher? Or is there anything that's catching your uh, eye in the transports? Uh, is that an area that you'd deploy a little more cash to because you know that you know if things turn around, they generally do well coming out? Yeah, that, that's a, you're 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 absolutely right. They tend to be kind of a leader coming out. Uh, so it's it's nice to see them. You know, you you need them in any kind of sustainable rally. You need those uh, transport stocks to be doing well. It's very difficult to the market to sustain much of anything uh, to the upside with without their help. And in that group, you know, the one stock that's that's pretty interesting and it's come flying off its bottom. I mean, you know, back in, in you know June 13th, 14th, it's uh, you know it's trading for about 200 dollars a share. Now it's up to about 233. So you've got what is that uh, 15% gain in, in you know less than two months? It's FedEx, uh, symbol FDX. I think if you know if the transports, it's it's a big per share priced stock, so it matters to that index. It's $233 a share, and as you know, the the Dow Transports is a price weighted index, which means higher priced stocks have a greater influence. So it, it's, you know, if, if the Dow Jones transportation average is going to do well, it's very difficult for it to do well if you have FedEx not doing well. So if you want kind of a proxy for the transports, I think FedEx is as good as any, and it's a stock we do like. How about oil? Uh, that was the one other area. Oil companies have done fairly well o- over this time period. Some of them throw off some nice dividends. What are your feelings on on big oil? Yeah, it, it's 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 a little bit of a harder situation on a shorter term basis, say for the remainder of the year, and I'll explain why in a moment. I I think, you know, twelve twenty four months that that's a group that's that you should own um, and have exposure to. And one of the reasons you kind of hit it is, you know, you're not going to find a, a group that that's offering better it cash flow dividend flow in a growing dividend stream. And I think that still resonates with investors and is still important. Where I think you might see a little bit of a respite for that group relative to the market is the fact that that those stocks typically don't don't cluster around 
the quote growth stock area. Those tend to be looked at more kind of like like value stocks. And again, if if the thesis that growth is going to be value in the second half of the year, my guess is these stocks, the the, the oils have a little bit of a a rougher hoe. Now, somebody could say, well, what are you talking about, Chuck? These these oil stocks are growing like gangbusters here. Just look at the profits of BP today or what Exxon produced the other day or Chevron. And you make a point. But, I mean, historically, those aren't the sorts of kind of growth stocks that tend to move with growth stock-led markets. And so I'm not saying you should leave the group, but I'm just saying you should have some – your expectations should be tempered a little bit for the second half of the year, I think. Another one that I just wanted to throw out there, because I know it's something that you and I have talked about in the past, is Philip Morris. That That's one one stock that I've used to get a little shelter, and um, you know I, it has a nice little dividend. What, what, what's your thought on, on like a Philip Morris? And for some of those stocks that you have held to get a little shelter that, you know, throws off some good income and, you know, holds up pretty well, regardless of how the economy is. Well, what's your feeling on those type of stocks? Yeah, I, they're still nice stocks to have in a portfolio because, you know, and we've talked about kind of this idea of, of barbelling your portfolio, where at one end of the barbell, maybe you have more of the, 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 the hot tea growth stocks, more kind of the growth stocks, uh, speculative stocks, a higher, little higher risk stocks. And at the other end of the barbell, you kind of balance that out with kind of the steady eddy stocks, the lower volatility, lower beta stocks. And, and, and Philip Morris certainly falls in that category. And I, you know, I still think it's that while, while it's a stock that, again, if this is a growth led market in the second half of the year, Philip Morris will not necessarily be among those leaders, but that doesn't mean you can't make money in the stock. And it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, you, the dividend yield of 5% is pretty tasty in this environment. So it's a stock I think has fairly limited downside, may not have all the upside some other stocks might have uh, in, a, in a growth-led market, but it's certainly that and some other stocks. You know, we've got some stocks in, in our portfolios that kind of fall into that category. One that, uh, you know, probably uh, kind of tilts toward that kind of steady eddy approach um, is, you know, a, a number of the insurance companies, for example, which, you know, they're, they're kind of steady. They're, they're putting up decent numbers. They're not never going to be at the top of the leaderboard in terms of growth stocks. But, you, you know, you've got some stocks like, a, a, you know, an, uh, Elevance Health, for example, and that's the old anthem. Uh, and I mentioned United Healthcare. You've got uh, uh, WR Berkeley. You've got Chubb. Uh, stocks like that that I think are, you know, have pretty good dividend flows. Uh, they're, you know, probably not going to be at the top of the leaderboard in a particular year, uh, but they, you know, they just chug along, man. And between the dividend flow and, you know, decent, not exorbitant, but decent, steady capital gains, you can make a lot of money in those stocks. Well, and diversification is key. I mean, we always talk about that's a a, a big part of a portfolio is you know, having it diversified in, in a variety of, of industries and, you know, having a little a little value and, and, and some income isn't a bad idea either. As we wrap up today's GAINS podcast, Chuck, uh, what's your takeaway? What, what, what do you want to get across to the GAINS listeners? Yeah, it, two things. One, you know, let's see how this market behaves on the next downspin. Those June 17th lows are still in play. 
uh, and see if the market, you know, can can kind of hold those lows. And then second, uh, if you uh, have been somebody who was fortunate or lucky or smart and has a bunch of cash, you need to kind of start thinking about redeploying that uh, and and come up with one way that kind of forces you to do that. Whether you know you can start out small, that's fine, but but don't wait and then you're going to back up the truck and do it all at once because you're not going to do that. I guarantee you're just not. Um, so start the process. And I think you can start that process now pretty safely. It, it, that, that doesn't mean you're going to be rewarded immediately. My guess is you won't be. My guess is you're going to put some money in and then stocks are going to go down and then they're going to feel like an idiot and you're going to call me an idiot. And that's okay. Um, but six to 12 months from now, you'll probably be happy you started the process. So go start that process, especially if you're sitting on a lot of cash. Always great advice from Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services, publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter in Hammond, and author of Winning with the Dow's Losers. And again, the website for the Gains listener. Go ahead, Chuck. That's UpsideStocks.com, and that focuses on our favorite small and mid-cap stocks. It's UpsideStocks.com, and you can go there and get a free 30-day uh, uh, trial subscription to the newsletter. That's UpsideStocks.com. So that's going to wrap up today's Gains podcast. Hey, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back next Wednesday. And we're going to talk about fashion and the resale market. I mean, there's money to be made in resale. We're going to talk Poshmark, Depop, Mercari, the real, real. So be sure to check that out next Wednesday. And I will see you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.